I'm here. <laughs> How you been? I'm good. How you been? Season 15. Yes, it feels like, I don't know, it's crazy, right? Seems like we've been doing this for, you know, forever. <laughs> right? Who would have thought 10 years ago, 15 seasons, we'd be right here. We're going to get exactly. right into it because I know my viewers, want my listeners want to hear about what's going on with this book. If I Was Your Girlfriend in Atlanta Tale. Now, for me, reading the book, it felt like classic Marlon Mikowski with a different twist, a gentler, sometimes kinder Marlon Mikowski. So tell us about the story. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> wow, that's, 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 that's an interesting take. Um, well, the story is um, about these uh, four young ladies. Uh, the leading lady of the book, uh, her name is Rashida. And her and her three girlfriends, um, they've been lifelong friends since um, pretty much since high school. And this book basically deals with um, their friendship, um, how they handle relationships, and um, yeah, and in the different, they're different. All four very different personalities coming together, and what happens when certain situations um, happen in their lives, and how they interact with each other. And it's set now, right here in Atlanta. Now, it's set in Atlanta. And I noticed that you did a shout-out to your other series, The Pink Palace. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, just, uh, it just kind of felt um, – it just felt – it was just a, just, just a shout-out really to the people who have read my books for years and know about The Pink Palace. So if you know – if you've read my books, obviously you've, you've read The Pink Palace, so – it was just a, a, a just a wink at the fans, like you know, hey, this is maybe happening in the same world. This you know, across town, this is going on. Right, and I told you stay out them strip clubs when I <laughs> <laughs> when I first. And read the, the book, first I, thing you the first thing you the first thing you read is the strip club. <laughs> that's right. That's what I'm saying. Can we just stay out the strip? I'm like, what did a what did your editor, editor Cynthia Marie, tell you about your characters and their eyes and all of that? 
Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> now, I'm gonna say, now, Destiny going to say stay out the strip club. Now, let's talk about the character development in these four women. Now, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before because you have a tendency as a writer to write very strong um, female characters. And as a woman, I related to one of the characters um, more than the others, which tends to happen when you have, you know, central characters. However, right. I, writing for women as a man, how you do that there? Um, I, I and this, this is a question I've gotten a lot over the years, and I, I really don't know how the, the proper way to answer it is this. Um, it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's difficult. I would just say I just, uh, just put myself in, in, uh, in a female's, um, position. Um, I've, I've, obviously I've grown up around women all my life, um, married to a beautiful black woman, um, raised by a strong black mother, have close friends and, and that are, you know, female friends. So, I don't think it's that difficult if you're paying attention and and listen, really listening to the people who are around you. So you just kind of and and obviously this 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 being a man, uh, just just put yourself in that situation. How would you feel? Right, and you know I've read some books and I've been like, okay, a woman would never do that or say that or you know I've edited some books and I've been like, oh, mm-hmm. you may want to rethink this line of thought for whatever reason. And I think <laughs> I think that you do a very good job of speaking in the woman's voice. So now you told us about the main character. Tell mm-hmm. us about the other three and their a little bit about their situations and what they bring to the story. Okay. Uh let's let's uh work our way down. Um jo- Joyce is Rashida's um best friend. Uh, probably the closest I um out of the three, um, she's a very traditional. Uh, I want to say conservative, but she's very traditional um, young lady, and um, she is um, sometimes con- considered bougie. But uh, you know, once once she once you're around her and you get to know her, she's she's a lot of fun to be around. Um, and and her life, she's looking for that same kind of uh, relationship and love that her parents have. Um, I think her parents are still together, and she looks up to that, and she wants that in her life. So that's uh, Joyce's character. And I think I, I think, and I told you this um, in a sneak peek to my review, which will be posted tomorrow, um, that I related to her the most. Because believe it or not, some people think I'm bougie. How about that? All right, where did they get that impression from? I have no idea. Moving mm. on to the next character. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, next character, uh, we'll, let's talk about Denise. Um, Denise is um, probably technically the youngest, only by a couple of months, of the three girls, of the four girls. Um, she's very, she's an introvert type of person. Um, very, I would say she is very conservative. She is very shy. And even though um, she may have, she's she's a very beautiful woman physically, but she's still a very much an introvert, and she's not really that outgoing. She would prefer to sit at home with a book, and um, she's very um, cautious of, of of relationships and being with uh, men. 
Um, she doesn't always trust what their intentions are. So, um, but she is, but she is very um, loving and, and very, um, very attached to her, uh, to her um, three girlfriends. And um, they, they bring out, they try to, they try to bring out another side to her. Introverts tend to, and I'm going to put this out there for my listeners. I felt like as I was reading this book, but I know I know these girls. I've hung with these girls. Um, I understand. Oh, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from. It and girls, you know, we run in cliques generally. Right. Um, right. I don't have a whole lot of female friends, but the ones that I do, I hold closely, like this group was. And the introvert is always the one that the rest of the group has to take care of and lift up mm-hmm. because they internalize. A lot of things don't verbalize a lot of things that are going on and tend to shoulder a lot of the burden on themselves without verbalizing or putting it out there. Right. She's almost like um, of the group. She's almost like, even though she's not, but she's almost like the baby of the group. The one, especially Rashida, um, looks out for her the most. And she's always aware of the situation and, and where they're at and how she may feel. And, you know, she doesn't want her to feel uncomfortable, um, but she always wants her to feel at home and always, you know, wants her to feel good. So uh, Denise's character is that is the kind of the baby of the group for, I guess, the lack of the uh, lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. the one that everybody looks out for the most. Mm -hmm. And the final. Finally. As she may say, we say the best for last. Uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor is the uh, she is the most outgoing of the group. She is the extrovert to the most. Okay, so we're um, gonna go with the word outgoing, huh? Outgoing, yes. That's what we're gonna. Um, that's code. People pick up the book to figure out what it's code for. But continue. <laughs> I, I see what you did there, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, she's 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 the most adventurous one, the one that's the most outspoken of the group. She always she's that one friend that you know everybody has that one friend that always speaks their mind. Um, um, she doesn't mind being the central of a, of attention. She actually revels in it. Um, but at the same time, she is she may come off a little. Um, insensitive at times but in her heart she she really wants the best for even all three of her girlfriends and um and and her taylor and um and denise they of the of the four they they're the ones that bump heads the most because they're the most opposite of each other and um it's it's like i said it's kind of like oil and water when these two get together and, and they have to learn how to be around each other so that's that's the that's the dynamic in that group with those girls. Now, let's talk about a little bit about these, and we're we're gonna go to break in a few minutes. So, but I wanted to touch on this because you talked about it in the summary. Uh, these girls, um, they're in and out of relationships. They're all looking for something different, um, uh-huh. and all and. And, and and all of us women can relate to um, this and either our girlfriend's dating somebody that we don't like, somebody that we may secretly like, 
Um, mm-hmm. Jealous <laughs> of, you know, the guys maybe taking our girlfriend's attention or taking them away and them not being able right. to hook up and hang out as much um, as possible. How important were the male-female relationships in this story? Oh, they were uh, they were vital. And um, um, and I also gave one of the, the leading characters, one of the uh, leading male characters, Alonzo, he's the only male character, but he has a voice in this book too. So you're not only getting the four women's um, individual perspective, you're also getting that male perspective of, what he may feel and what he thinks about the situation. So I, I like that. Um, that might be a little different from other books that deal with the same subject matter, that you do get that strong male point of view, as well as the four different women. So, um, and the relationships in this book is, is crucial. It's a, it's almost like the driving, um, the driving force throughout the book, uh, these different relationships that these women are with are in, in, in this book. It's kind of the underlying theme for the storyline or the motivation for the characters, let's just say. Right, right. Which, which as is in life, because when you think about it, we all want to be loved. We all want somebody to come home to at night. Other Mm -hmm. than, I think other than getting paid and, and being able to take care of basic necessities with finances, that that's the epitome of the human condition to begin with right i mean they're all i mean and in in this in this book uh all four of these young ladies they they have outside of their relationships they they're each doing their own career path and they're all they're all doing their own thing but um at the end of the day you you make a life for yourself you you pursue your passions but but you do want somebody to come home to at the end of the day at the you know you want somebody to share that life with so that's why the relationships that they're in is the most is is one of the most important things in this book and i i think that as speaking as a woman i think that sometimes we feel like we have to choose between being good in a relationship or having a career or pursuing your dreams or um that we can't do both at the same time Right. Do you do your characters encounter those kind of inner struggles? Um, some of them do, yeah. Um, some more than others. Um, but for the most part, I would say these these young ladies are dealing with um, dealing with finding the right man to share their lives with. Uh, and realizing when you're not in the right relationship or realizing when somebody's not being honest with you and how does how does that affect your relationship going forward right. and um especially um i would say realizing what the other person in the relationship really wants and what you want maybe two different things and knowing and when to let go, go. From here? right where yeah. do we go from here yeah. right and, and realizing that sometimes, even though you love somebody, it may not be mm-hmm. the best fit. Um, you can't force right. what's not going to fit. Exactly. And um, I don't know how much time you got left, but I just want to uh, – uh, one, one of the main reasons why I wrote this book, it started off, obviously, as a, as a conversation amongst friends um, years ago. 
And one of the questions or one of the topics that came up amongst uh, the ladies was like, I asked, um, you know, is it ever okay for you to date your your best friend's ex um, ex boyfriend? And no, universally, no. it was no, never, it's never a situation, never. And I was like, no. I was playing devil's, I was playing devil's advocate. I was like, well, what if this happens? No, it's never okay. And no, I was like, well, okay. okay. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care right. how long it's been. If I broke up with him, I don't care. No, it's never okay. Mm-mm. So that's so that's what I was one of the main reasons why I wrote this book is because I wanted to explore um, that scenario. And, okay, and see, see and now okay, we're getting yeah. into, now we're getting into um, some not really spoilers, but some teasers here. Right, to, right. As to we're not giving up in a way. Yeah, as to where the conflict is and where we're going with the story and what these ladies are dealing with. And I'm going to let you guys, my listeners out there, ponder that while we take a musical break. And we are going to kick it off um, in the spirit of the ladies with Lil' Kim and her friends and Ladies Night. We'll be back after this song. This is A Date with Destiny with author and filmmaker Marla Mikowski. We'll be right back. Enjoy the tune. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's another one. Uh-huh. And another one. Yeah. From Little Kim, the Queen Bee. It's Ladies Night, what? It must be Angie on the mic. The butter pea, honey, got the sugar, got the spice. Go to L Stike. Keep the rhymes right, y'all. I just made this motherfucker up last night. And uh, I'm the rookie on this all star team. Me and Kim is getting cream. Like Thelma and Louise, but on chrome. Never leave that Brooklyn shit alone. So if you say it's on, then it's on. Bang this in your whips. Pack them cold and with the chips in the wrist. Here's a French kiss. I've dismissed all you chicks. Fifth, six from the fourth, fifth. Make it dance. Ow! I stay focused. The dopest, like a penny with the hole in it. Y'all just hopeless and topless. I ain't lying. Niggas trying to knock me off. Keep trying. All it takes is one phone call to my street team. Promote that ass like a soundtrack. New Jack, sit it, send it off with the 850. Y'all missing the buck with the fuck bump. Biggie in the truck, in the buck to my double bitches. Let me see you do the bank head if you're rich. It's the rap made west, the QB. And I got all my sisters with me. Y'all 
see how these bogus niggas try not to notice the dopest bitches approaching with good intentions, but focusing on their bitches. If it's too hot, then get the fuck up out the kitchen, niggas. Dick, stay lifted when they're thinking of me. Cause the rhythm I cheat, cause I'm like a rhythm of tea. Filling them with snuggles off the nine milli Uber clip. Bitches, what? We just keep kicking up dust. And you can spread rumors, shit is making me sick of the head tumors. You and me about hugging me, saying you loving me. That your phony niggas be bugging. I can tell cause the thug give me more to sell drugs and push keys. Need to get me more with these BBs and them free smoke weed from overseas. Pimp like that, Rollies. Fuck the police, keep my wallet on peace. Who the Windy City woman still coming and gunning straight from the shot? Tonight, tonight for all the ladies, let's get high. presents its ebook catalog featuring stories from Shalana Cointion, Always Last to Know, Elizabeth Funderburg, Love Torn Asunder, Sharonda Woodard-Link, Vanessa's Revenge, and from Destiny Carter to Tell a Secret, featuring the Mavery ebook series from African American Literary Award nominee Marlon Mikowski, the Urban Fantasies series. Download your copies today at nookbooks.com or amazon.com. For the full catalog, visit emeraldstarpress.net. Welcome back out there. It's your girl, D.C. Destiny Carter, author and literary personality, and you are on a date with Destiny. Tonight, we are talking with author and filmmaker Marlon Mikowski about his new novel, Out for Purchase Right Now, If I Was Your Girlfriend in Atlanta Tale. Marlon, you still with us? I'm still rocking. All right. Now, let's get back to the story. You, okay. You... um. We talked. A, we touched a little bit about, and, and this book is written from the character's perspective, with that, which I think is first person. I always get confused about what the persons are, but I think that's first person, right? Yes. Yeah. When the character is talking, which I always write from first person, um, which makes right. it a little. I think it makes it a little harder because when the character. I think it depends on. I, I think it depends on the story you're telling. Like some stories work really well from the character's point of view, but sometimes you do need that overall third person voice right. to kind of narrate. 
Right, because sometimes, like, you need something to be happening, and if the character isn't there, they can't tell right. what they don't know. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it, it, it just depends. And trust me, I've tried to write in the third, and it just drove me nuts. <laughs> Bro, I, I, I'm not... I'm not that writer. I'm a I'm a character first person writer, and it, it's important to understand that. I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, how how you tell the story? Yeah, I think it, uh, you kind of have to determine what kind of story you you want to um, tell, and what do you want the reader to what information you need the reader needs to understand uh, before you start writing. And then if it, if it if it works that you have enough characters that you can do a first person perspective. And have multiple perspectives where you can bring this, so so you don't have any questions asked or anything like how did this person know this or how did that happen or you know as long as you have enough uh, angles to cover that topic then you're good, but if you don't, you do need that third person voice that that kind of narrates when the character's not around. Well, and I hate having I hate reading a first person story when they got too many damn people talking. Right. It's like, what are yeah, we doing if, now? Yeah, yeah. if you have like 15 characters in your book, no, not everybody don't need to be um, talking. <laughs> right. It's like, who, wait, where are we at now? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you're jumping all over the place. <laughs> right. Anyway, to get to my point, let's talk about mm-hmm. Alonzo, the, the male perspective and the lone male voice in the book. Why did okay. you decide to give him the voice and how did you develop his character? Um, mainly because he is the lead, the leading male character in the book. So I felt like you do need the, that male perspective too. Um, plus, you know, being a man, I, I, I like to, to give commentary on what a man may feel because sometimes, um, we do have, um, opinions on things and it it was good to give the reader that perspective that this guy wasn't just trying to, take advantage of the situation that he was really caught up in the situation. And this is how he saw it. And this is what justified him doing what he did. And to that, I'm going to say, I, mm-hmm, they was both wrong. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a fair opinion to have. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a messy situation. So, um, and that's, that's a, that's a very fair perspective to have, but even if you disagree with their actions, you do understand it wasn't an intentional type of thing. It wasn't right. something that was premeditated like, oh, well, let's go ahead and do this behind her back and let's do this and do that. You know, it's just something that it is what it is. And, you know, the there's something that just popped in my head. The heart wants what it wants. People say that right. all the time. And I always say that's an excuse for bad behavior. Uh, it can be, but and but at the same time, it doesn't make it any less true, um, because you feel what you feel, and you can, and a lot of times, or you can't help feeling what you feel. So, like like the saying goes, the heart what hearts the heart wants what the heart wants, is a true statement. I mean, some people use that as an excuse for bad behavior, but it doesn't make it any less true. You're right. And sometimes situations spin out of control that you had no intention. Sometimes we go into a situation thinking that we can control it 
or that it's not right. going to get out of hand. Um, right. Or that the way you're doing what you're doing, nobody is going to get hurt. Right. And let me let me let me flip it on you. Let me ask you the question. Like, do you feel like these characters intentionally the certain the, the certain characters that we're mentioning are talking about? Do you feel like they maliciously went into it with with an agenda? No, I just, don't. I don't. But it doesn't make it hurt any less. Right. Right. And as from someone who has had something similar like this happened to them way, way back mm-hmm. in the day, um, yeah. it it brings up, you know, you, you're like, okay, if my friend was to do this to me, I'd act this way, or I'd do this, I'd kick her ass, or I'd, you know, mm-hmm. we'd be scrapping, or I'd kick his ass, or you, you just never know how you're going to respond to that situation until you're in it, because... Right. You have feelings involved. You have friendships. You have, mm-hmm. like you said, lifelong friendships at stake here. You have right. um, r- romantic feelings involved. You have uh, friendship feelings involved. Even, I would say, sisterly emotions mm-hmm. and feelings involved. Definitely. So, and, and the more people are in their feelings, the more messy the situation gets. Right. But I think um, even as emotional as some of these situations were in the book. I think all of the girls, even though they did have moments of of uh, emotional outlashes, they did show a lot of maturity given time. Uh, there was a lot of, there, they were very thoughtful in, 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 in the way they tried to resolve each one of the situations. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, it was very rarely that there was a screaming match or cussing each other out. Right. And for for me, in my head, and a couple of the instances, I was like, slap her in the mouth. Like, right. that's, that's it's about to be a girl fight. Something, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think, like, these girls had so much, like, in particular, the two characters I know we're talking about, they had so much love for each other. It, it hurts even more because that, because of that love. But they don't want, they don't want to hurt each other but they are hurting each other. Right. And and that happens all the time because we only hurt the ones we love. That's another one of those platitudes that mm-hmm. we've, we've heard it over and over and over again, but it still rings true. Right. Because can you really hurt somebody or have power over somebody who you have no involvement with? Yeah. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, you, it's you not can. possible, right? Right. And I think because of their bond was so was so close, uh, that's that's what made it hurt so much. Because mm-hmm. even even when one character was hating the other person's guts, after the after a minute, I still miss you. I, I'm mad at you, but I miss having you in my life. And I've been there, done that too. And I, you know, I like I've had to tell a friend before, I love you, but I can't deal with you right now. I need some right. time and space to digest and decide if I'm going to forgive you. Yeah. And even if, yeah. and sometimes even if you forgive somebody, that don't mean that you want to fuck with them anymore. Right. It, it takes a it takes a level of maturity and a level of forgiveness to even you know after something bad happens to go back into that friendship or relationship. Right. And 
and and once trust is broken, it's never the same. Even if you can put it back together, to me, right. it's still always in the back of your mind. Right. And that's that's uh, to me that's man or woman. That's just how we're built. Right. It's human nature. We so, are uh, believe- go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just gonna ask you real. I was going to ask you real quick, uh, what was your opinion of uh, of Mr. Robert? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that everybody is different. Can I say it mm-hmm. that way? Mm-hmm. I, I think that people aren't always who they project themselves to be. Um, right. I think sometimes that people are misunderstood, and and sometimes they're not misunderstood. They're just who the fuck that they present themselves to be, mm, or you find them out to be. Right. And I and I think once somebody yeah. shows you who they are, you have to right. believe it. Like you can't. Mm-hmm. You, you're not gonna change somebody. You're not gonna change their minds. You're not gonna make them. You can't make somebody be a better person. You just can't. Right. People have to be better on their own. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes when you first get into a relationship with somebody, you see all the good stuff, you see all the the things you like. The but love it's not until you're, Yeah, and it's not until you're actually with them and, and in the relationship, you start to see the other side. And that That's may not be something you might right. like. <laughs> That's because when you first start dating somebody, your representatives show up, okay? You're going to put your mm-hmm. best foot forward. You're going to do whatever you can to do to get this person hooked and to get in this relationship, especially if you like them. Right. What happens is when the representative leaves, keeping up the representative's image is exhausting. (laughs) Right. And you can only hold up a mask for so long before it falls or you get tired of holding it. Right. And uh, and I I think – go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think that we as women, and I'm not going to say whether the women in this book did this or not, but I think that we as women rationalize a lot. Once, mm-hmm. it went, When we're in a relationship, we rationalize because I put this much time into it, or if I do this, he'll become better, or um, mm-hmm. he didn't mean it this way. Um, all of those kind of things, I think women do more than men. Yeah. I can agree with that 100%. And I think that, you know, you break a man's heart, women will forgive you quickly. Sometimes more quickly than they should. But right. men, you break a man's heart and he done. Oh. Yeah, he can become very bitter, very vindictive. Yes, that breaking a man's ego, because you, you, y'all got that ego in there with it. And it's not just yeah. about... The heart being broken. It's about the ego being smashed mm-hmm. as well. You hurt my pride. Exactly. And then that's when things start getting nasty, too. Right. Well, we're going to take a musical break right now and pay some bills. We're going to hear from some of our sponsors, Emerald Star Press, and, of course, Creative Touch Design Firm. We'll be right back after these tunes. You're listening <laughs> Thank you. 
They don't love you like I love you. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Back up. They don't love you like I love you. Step down. They don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Oh, love. They don't love you like I love you. Oh, down. They don't love you like I love you. Something don't feel right because it ain't right, especially coming up after midnight. I smell your secrets, and I'm not too perfect to ever feel this worthless. How did it come down to this? Scrolling through your call list, I don't wanna lose my pride, but I'ma fuck me up a bitch. Know that I kept it sexy, and know I kept it fun. There's something that I'm missing, maybe my head for one. What's worst? Looking jealous or crazy? Jealous or crazy? Or like being walked all over lately, walked all over lately. I'd rather be crazy. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Back up, they don't love you like I love you. Step down, they don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Let's imagine for a moment that you never made a name for yourself. A master wealth they had you labeled as a king. Never made it out the cage. Still out there moving in them streets. Never had the baddest woman in the game up in your sheets. Would they be down to ride now? They used to hide from you, lie to you, but y'all know we were made for each other. So I find you and hold you down. Missing say, hold up. They don't love you like I love you. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Back up. They don't love you like I love you. Step down. They don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Hold up. They don't love you like I love you. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Hey, it's such a shame. You let this good love go to waste. I always keep the top tier, five star, sexy loving in the car. Like make that wood, like make that wood, highly like a boulevard. What's worse, looking jealous or crazy, jealous and crazy? Or like being walked all over lately, walked all over lately. I'd rather be crazy. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Back up, they don't love you like I love you. Step down, they don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Oh love, they don't love you like I love you. Oh down, they don't love you like I love you. talking with author and filmmaker Marlon McCoskey. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We've been talking about his story, If I Was Your Girlfriend, in Atlanta Tale. Now, Marlon, because I consider you a vet, and, uh, and for those of you who haven't picked up anything of Marlon's yet, 
you're missing out. Um, he's gone all the way back and has done some work all the way back as far as, and I know you people remember Triple Crown Publishing and all of that. He was <laughs> back when the boom first started with the, you know, the urban lit and all of that. So, Marlon, how do you think the industry has changed in the last 10 years since we've been in it? Ooh, it's been night and day to change. <laughs> From when we yeah, first started, um, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's a totally different animal than what we um than what we started with. And I'm not I, sure I mean, if what, that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, it, it it has its uh it has its benefits and it has some very um has some bad stuff to go along with it. So right, because on one hand where people were getting rejection letter after rejection letter and would never, ever be published, now there's the opportunity to do it. However, I feel like the market is being also diluted mm-hmm. with crap. Right. Because I mean, I feel like so easy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I feel like 10, 15 years ago, uh, with the industry being um, ran more by professionals, even on the independent level, there was a there was a safeguard that would um that would tell people who wanted to write who wanted to do this um that would give them guidelines and give them constructive feedback um on what you should do how you should do it and what is presentable and what isn't presentable um and at the same time there was a lot of red tape and a lot of politics involved uh, in in who got the opportunity and who got deals and who was able to be published. Um, so you had the good, you had the bad, but I think the good outweighed the bad back then. Right. Whereas nowadays, it's pretty much an open, it's a wild, wild west. Any, anything goes. And, and, and I feel like it gives the readers sometimes a mixed message and maybe even some apprehension. And so they stick to like the five or six authors that they know because I could buy this book with a great cover on it, and mm-hmm. the story is like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, and a lot of that's a lot of times um, that's that's the case. Um, people are just selling, um, just selling the cover. There's no the content doesn't match up to what the cover is. No, or and, it's poorly produced because I've seen books mm-hmm. that still have the the Getty's image watermark on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, just shit all over uh, eBooks, but a lot of the blame can go towards this because it's so easy now to get your book out there that people feel like I don't need an editor. I don't need a copy editor. I don't need a proofreader. I can just do this myself and I can have my cousin read it over and put some periods and commas and call it a day. And that is such a misguided notion. Um, if you want to do this professionally, if, or not even professionally, but if you want to put out a professional product, because even if say you want to write a book every, I don't know, two or three years, who's going to pick up your second book if the first book was produced like crap? Ah, uh, Yeah. And um, that's the that's the price. That's that's the thing, and it affects everybody. It's not it just does. that one. 
it's not that this one read that one writer it's, it affects the whole industry and now and you have a lot of subpar work out there and it's hard to find the good from the bad and not only that but we have subpar work and then you put it out there for 99 cents so you put your stuff that you slap together on PowerPoint and Word on ebook mm. and you charge 99 cents for it and so then when the reader sees my professionally done book that I had to pay for mm-hmm. editing, pay for graphic design, pay for layout mm-hmm. and all of that stuff and I'm charging 3.99 or 4.99 because that's what that's the very least that the book the ebook should cost. You know what I'm that's saying? That's- you're 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 paying you're you're charging for your time, your effort, your creativity, uh, the money that went into investing in, in producing that book. So asking for three ninety nine, four ninety nine, five ninety nine, six ninety nine is not is not uh unreasonable for an ebook. Right. It's just, but because it's just you have all these freaking so, Yeah. They become so accustomed to a ninety nine cent book. That we undervalue our work, and I don't care what no. I've never sold an ebook for ninety nine cents. Not one book on Emerald Star Press has ever been, nor will it ever be, ninety nine cents. Because we're professionals over here, and everybody who is involved with the project has to eat. Right. I mean, I understand why some people do it, um, and the marketing that they try to justify doing it for. But I just can't see myself ever giving my work away for pennies. No, no, which is a reason why I'm not in the KDP Select programs either. Emerald Star Press doesn't participate in that because they can give your books away for free in that program. Yeah, Unlimited, yeah, the, the yeah. Kindle Unlimited, yeah. Right, uh, it's, it it's used a, to be called Select. They changed it to Unlimited, you're right. Yeah, it, it's a double-edged sword because you, you, you kind of have to play the game because that's what the industry is. But at the same time, you don't want to sell yourself short. No, and I I think that we have to we have to stick to standards. What is happening here in the industry is that we've done away with standards. And you see, like look yeah. at our uh, look at the orange terrorists that occupy sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. When we drop our <laughs> standards, you know what I'm saying? Chaos ensues. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's the wild, wild west, and anything, and I, and we've seen over the last, especially over the last year or so, some of the craziest things that would never have ever been printed 10, 15 years ago, they're, they're, they're coming out left and right, and I guess, I guess there's an audience for it, but it's just not, it's just not for me, not what I do. It's not what I do either. Um, now... Could there possibly be in the movie in the making for this novel? Oh, sure. Uh, I'm just waiting for you to finance it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you, um, you're, the, you're the creative genius. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I would love to um, to turn this uh, this book into a movie. I love to turn all my books into a movie. Um, it's just a matter of of getting the right um, people behind the project. Uh, the right finances and 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 having the right people to share the same vision that wants to do it. So and being it can able be to do done it properly. Doing being right, able, able to like do it properly. Said, you don't want to put out crap because right. I I would rather not do it than to do it and it be you know below standards. 
Right. Um, because and that sticks with you. Yeah. That you know, people will be like, Oh, he did that. That was you know what I'm saying? Exactly. You don't want that. And I feel yeah. like uh, another thing is when you uh, um making a full circle back to the books is like when you pay five ninety nine, four ninety nine, seven ninety nine for one of our books, and you see the quality and you see the work and the, and the care that went into making that book, you don't mind paying for it for for another book of the especially same quality. If you're a reader, especially if you are a reader. Exactly. You don't mind paying the extra if you know you're getting quality. Right. I, I agree with that. Now, if you had to give advice, um, and I like to do this with my experienced authors, if you had to give advice to someone looking to break into the industry, someone who's sitting at their computer right now, like speak to my niece. My niece Diamond is writing her first book and she's actually doing a nonfiction about her very difficult uh life. Um uh, mm-hmm. what advice would you give new authors? Well, first of all, uh the, the 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 best thing that she's doing right now is actually writing it. She's she's not just talking about it. She's actually, you know, making it happen. And that's where a lot of people who want to write a book um fail to do. They don't even start. And even if you're doing it wrong, you you have to start start writing. No matter, you'll figure out if you're doing it right or wrong later. But start writing. Um, and I would say, if you really want to do this, learn how to write. Learn the industry that you're getting into. Learn what steps need to be taken in order for your book to be produced correctly. Um, and before you get taken that, advantage yeah. of, too, learn learn how to spot the snakes. Because right. our our industry is just as cutthroat as the movie industry, as the recording oh, yeah. industry. Um, Even and, more and, so. And there are people out there who will call themselves an editor, or there are people mm-hmm. who will call themselves a graphic designer. You cannot design a book cover in PowerPoint. I'm sorry. It's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, be learn from people who have been in the industry try to try to hook up with those type of people who who've done it before you who's been doing it for a while who've been doing it successfully and learn and 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 don't be afraid to ask questions and and you know that that's that would be my best advice is that to actually learn how to write a book you know and you want to write a book but you have to learn how to write a book anything just because i want to build a car i want to build cars doesn't mean i can just start building a car i actually have to learn right. where this part goes here this goes here okay that does that okay i have to and learn it's, and it's a craft and you have to develop yeah. your craft and you have to be willing right. to put time into like you said learning your craft and learning um how to be better at it right I mean, I, even even now, I look at books I've written and published, you know, 10 years ago, even like we were talking about earlier, The Pink Palace. I look at The Pink Palace now, and I see so many things that I would do different now, knowing, right. being experienced as I am now, it's like, oh, man, I would have wrote that so much more better. Oh, ooh, I would have done that differently. But okay. it, it comes, every a lot of things come, come with time, experience. And I, I feel the same way because I'm in the midst of um... – switching some books over to a new distributor. So I'm having to go through galleys of books I wrote 15 years ago 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, like when we first got in the industry, and I'm like you, I'm like, really? Why did I put that there? Or why did I do that there? Or I'm looking at the galley, and I'm like, I don't even really like this galley. Why do you know? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like this layout. I don't like this. Um, I don't like this font. I don't like this. I don't like that. So I took the opportunity. Right. You know, not to make any major changes because the story is what it is, but right. to to kind of polish it and 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 change it to go along with my twelve years of experience. Now, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. There's things you you learn, and um, you just want to apply that a little. You know, especially if you're reprinting a book, you, you know, you see things like, man, I could have done that better. So here's my opportunity to do it. Right, right, right. And and that's where we're going. Now, before we close out, and I didn't ask you this in the second segment, but did you have a favorite character in the book? Um, yeah. Um uh Rashida's character it was she was, obviously she was the main character. That's the character we spend the most time with. Um <clears throat> she's loosely based on um my own cousin in real life. Um, so that made it fun to write her as a character. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed all the characters, but Rashida was probably my favorite. Did you have a character that you found difficult to write for? Um, I, I, funny enough, um, I think probably Joyce was probably really? probably the most challenging because with with Taylor, you can you know you know she's the extreme character. <clears throat> So you can have fun with that character. You can do the most extreme things. Which is what uh, you like to do in the first place. That's, that's, the, right. that's the tagline, Marlon McCarthy, okay. And, as and I call you Denise, Mr. McNasty, go ahead. <laughs> and with Denise, you can actually, uh, you know, do the opposite. You know, you can pull back. But the funny, even even with those two characters, uh, you'll see that they kind of flip-flop. But still, you know you can do the opposite with somebody that's very reserved. Whereas Joyce was pretty much middle of the road, so I I was trying to figure out okay, what was the, what would be the best approach for this character to try to figure this character out, you know? So that that to me was probably the most difficult character to write. Right. That's an that's an she, interesting take. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, and I didn't want her to be boring. You know, because she was the most middle of the road of the characters, so I didn't want her to be boring, but uh, I had to make her a little interesting. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that with my personality and how people generally tend to see me, that that was the character that I most related to. And for me, I like to tell people that I am socially liberal, but I am fiscally conservative. So it's not, yeah, that's not bad to be, <laughs> you know, and, and, and for me, I'm a traditionalist for a lot of things. And I think things like, I'm like, I'm big on respect. I feel like you respect mm-hmm. your elders because that's how we were raised. And I don't think that these kids these days are getting that. Yeah. Um, so that's I, definitely I, lacking. Yeah. I'm a traditionalist in a you'd be surprised at some of the things that I'm a stickler about and mm-hmm. some of the other things that I don't mind letting my freak flag fly. I, I think it right. all, <laughs> I think it all depends on the situation and where you are. So right. 
what? Tell my listeners how they can get at you, how they can get your book, where they can find you at, all of that good stuff. You can find me um, on Facebook under Marla Mikulski, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, Marla Mikulski. Um, you can find my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, uh, or you can go to my website, MarlaMikulski.com, M-A-R-L-O-N-M-C-C-A-U-L-S-K-Y.com. Um, and you can find me uh, some books in Barnes & Noble and, and some in Walmart, so... That's where you can find me. Well, it has been awesome, as always, talking with you. And I am so happy that you were here to kick off Season 15 with me because you were in Season 1 with me, and we still chugging right along. Yeah, it's always good chopping it up with you. Um, You know, changes and all. And I think that while we were talking about advice, to the new authors, I think it's also important to find your circle and maintain that circle. That don't mean you got to have 50 million people in your circle. You know what I'm saying? But I think that it's important to have, as an author, I think it's important to have other authors that you can spitball stuff off of, that you can um, share experiences with, that you can share opportunities with. Um, ideas, yeah. Ideas and all of that stuff. Um, events. We just shared an event. Um, what two weeks ago? Me, yeah. you, Anajia Wright, Shakir, Rashad, um, Rashawn, and those kind of things. Once you make those relationships, they're important to maintain and keep, especially exactly with people who know what they're doing. And I'm not, right. I'm not one to let everybody in my circle. And I'm just saying that. When you find the real ones, you keep the real ones because there's a lot of mess going on in our industry that we've already talked about and we've already touched on it. And and there's a lot of fakers and posers out there. So I think that you have to be, keep your eyes open, keep your mouth shut, keep your ears open too. Exactly. You have you have to do it in this industry, Marlon. Thank you so much for coming through, and I'm sure what you got coming up after. What's next? You know, I'm always working on another book. Um, uh, me and Lamont Gannett at Creative Genius Films, we're getting ready to shoot um, another another film. So we're uh, we're doing that. There are other things going on behind the scenes that we're we're hoping that will turn out well for us. So. Uh, just let's uh, keep your eyes open, and we'll we'll see uh, what what happens next. But as always, there will be another book coming uh, pretty soon. Well, you know, you always have our love and support here on a date with Destiny, and your lovely wife always has my prayers because she has to deal with you. So oh, pray for her. Pray for her. <laughs> On that note, my lovely listeners, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Date Night, A Day with Destiny, Season 15 premiere. Our next guest is going to be Earl Williams of Silk, Lace, and Mercedes. So stay tuned for that on our new channel, Spreaker, and the relaunch of DestinyCarterRadio.com. We're going to keep it locked, and until the next time we're together, don't miss 
your destiny. Good night, all. This podcast content has been brought to you by Destiny Carter Radio, a subsidiary of Emerald Stars Media. For more podcast content, visit DestinyCarterRadio.com.